Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, in which two nerds sit on a couch and discuss science fiction and fantasy. Welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on the Couch's series about Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune. Fracas. Desert Planet. Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, the third installment in our Dune series, which focuses on the documentary Hodorowski's Dune. When I have my fantasy dinner party with any person, living or dead, who I think would be an amazing dinner party guest, I want Alejandro... Kodorowski at that fucking table because that man is like a fucking visionary man and he's also incredibly entertaining I think that it would also be fascinating to have Salvador Dali Mick Jagger Mm -hmm. Orson Welles at the end of his life when he was mad and hated everybody (laughs) And get them all together around that dinner table and ask them if Hodorowski ever actually talked to them in, in their lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> the problem with Hodorowski's Dune is that, I mean, I, I don't doubt that he put a book together and tried to shop a movie. Mm-hmm. But some of the stories he tells about putting it together are just seem too fantastic to be real. And yet, there's H.R. Giger doing this concept art and is a part of it. I mean... Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the, like Moebius and or Jean Girard, whatever his name was, both, really. um, you know, and then you know, uh, O'Bannon and like all of these people who had these connections anyway. I mean, like they're mm-hmm. all in on the joke, like they're all aware that Hodorowski was going to make this <laughs> twenty-hour-long epic what? that makes you feel high by watching it. Yeah, that is a stated goal, is to make you feel like you're on LSD without actually taking drugs. But I just can't shake the feeling that, like, Hodorowski is the original Banksy. You know, like, this is exit through the gift shop, Hodorowski style, Mm -hmm. where he's got all of these stories without any corroborating evidence whatsoever. He's got, got like, a brilliant-looking storyboard. A script that bears little resemblance to Frank Herbert's. Dune. It really doesn't look anything like it. And and it admitted he's. I mean, he he even says like in in the in the documentary he's like. So it turns out that at the end of the book, the people didn't get a green planet and expanded like universal consciousness. Right. So I I did that. That was my ending. Yeah. To, this to is Dune. this is yeah. This is my doom. <laughs> Um, and then he uses this horrific analogy about how, you know, you have a bride and you won't have any children if you don't, if you don't rape her and that he raped Frank Herbert. And I was just, I mean, I was just sort of like howling in shocked disbelief when he was saying those things. I mean, what he was I, saying was really horrific and you're like, well, maybe it's because he's Spanish and he doesn't understand the word. He knows exactly what he's saying. He knows it. He had the big shit-eating like, grin on the his face. The look he had when he was yelling, I'm ripping Frank Herbert. And he made the little, like, <laughs> like, like little, arm like... gestures, like, pump, pump. And I was like, oh, oh, my God. Like, yep. the shit coming out of your mouth. And he, like, he is, like, made out of his twinkling eyes. Like, he's all twinkly-eyed and just, I don't know, full of shit, but in a really, really wonderful way. Yeah, he's totally a chaos demon. I mean, all of his, his vision, like, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, he masterminded this, and everybody involved acknowledges his masterminding it. Yeah, yeah. No, it just I mean, seems really far fetched to think that Mick Jagger saw him from across the room in a in a huge room huge in a room. party, and just walked right up to him. And Hodorowski said, "I want you to be in my movie." And Mick Jagger just says, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I mean, it's a it's a great story. You it's know, a where, great story. Where he's like talking about like tracking down Orson Welles, like hunting him, stalking him through the underbrush yeah. at the French restaurant that he frequented. He like asks around, finds out where it is because he this was, sends him a bottle of wine. This is this is when Welles was like old and you know 
uh, like all he lived for was alcohol and food. Like yeah. he hated everybody. He would have been a really great Baron Harkonnen, though. Yeah, if you could get. I mean, the other problem is that he was such a pain in the ass to get act. Like they they have footage of him like doing commercials, and he's like so drunk <laughs> and hateful. That it's it's virtually impossible to get thirty seconds. Out of I him. have a feeling that Hodorowski could have tamed him. I mean, Maybe I he's just definitely. Yeah, he's got he's got the vision to bring even the great Orson Welles. Well, because I mean, to bear on okay, this yeah, it's so nuts. Anyway, so I think maybe just just a sort of background to all of this. So Hodorowski's Dune is a documentary, which is about um, this surrealist film director from Mexico. Name of Alexander Alejandro, right? Spanish? No, he's Mexican. Oh. Hmm. Um, Mexican director who, um, I mean, I think he worked in Spain a bunch too. You know how oh, there's okay. kind of a porousness there. Um, I mean, I, I have a great fondness for um, Spanish um, science, fiction. science fiction. And that would extend to Mexican science fiction. I just I don't feel like I've seen as much of it. Yeah, there's some really great shit. Like Kronos is really great and... I think that's yeah. Mexican, isn't it? I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so yeah, so he he's this uh, at least Spanish language director who um, he had done a, a bunch of like very strange sounding surrealist films called one called El Topo and then The Holy Mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, he got it in his head that he was going to do Dune. And so this was, I believe, nineteen seventy seven. So Dune was written in. 56 um but i mean i think it like it already had a reputation as being like virtually unfilmable um Mm. because it was so you know bonkers so bonkers and so much of it happens like inside people's minds so it's like hard to how how do you translate that to external action Mm -hmm. when all the action is occurring inside a person well i'll tell you one way you don't do it is to make it up like a theatrical performance (laughs) and focus on colored lighting to to give your yeah tell your story yes no that's right well anyway so he starts out and 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 it was like he, he went to a dinner party was it was it was somebody was like yo you need to do dune he hadn't even read it I don't even know that he read it for a while because he was like, okay, here I go. And he starts like running around and like getting all of these concept artists. Like he, it was, um, Mobius. Of heavy metal fame. Of heavy metal fame. And also Ling, 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 Call, Ling, Ling, Ling Call. Yeah. Ling, I don't know. It's French. <laughs> and Dan O'Bannon, who went on to write, he wrote, um, Alien. Alien. And he wrote and directed Return of the Living Dead, which is a, like, kind of splatter stick, uh, like, kind of punk horror comedy, which is the source of the eating brains thing. Hmm. Like, that's where that Very comes innovative. from. Um, anyway, and there were some other... Anyway, so he, he gets these guys... Giger. Giger um, he gets these guys, like, he, he's, like, tells Dan O'Bannon, who's clearly, like, married and stuff at this point. He's, like, Dan, sell all your stuff and move to Paris. And Dan's, like, okay. Like, <laughs> there's so many points where he's, like, tells somebody to do it. And they're, like, okay. And then they do it. And clearly it's corroborated by Dan's, like, widow. Mm-hmm. Like, that actually did legitimately happen, which makes you sort of think that maybe all of the other crazy stories are true. Yeah. Anyway, so... You know, he starts putting together, like, all the concept art, and then he starts to cast it. And this is where it really goes nuts. Well, and not just concept art, but he had the whole thing storyboarded. Right. Like, he, he talked about how he filmed it via storyboard. And he did go on to to work on, and, you know, he wrote graphic novels um, with, with, you know, Mobius. with Mobius. And, and, and incorporated a lot of the same concepts. Because um, we had talked about, like, Dune and how... You know, a lot of Frank Herbert's other works were sketches of it, but it turns out it was the other way around. Yeah. Um, and and that's kind of what happened with Hodorowski's Dune. Like, yeah. He created this Dune um, masterpiece, this masterwork, his magnum opus, and it never went anywhere. Right. You know, and it was this kind of, which is a shame because the book that he created looks like this gorgeous like, thing. I, I would a... have that. Oh. I would buy two. 
I don't care how much they cost. I would buy two, one to touch and one to lock away in a cabinet. Okay, no, but then and I would sit there and I would I would touch every single page. Right, but then and then I would day. want one that I would I would have so that I could literally consume it. Like, <laughs> like I think that Hodorowski would approve. I, no, I mean I really I mean I just like I feel such deep lust for that object. Like mm-hmm. it so because he so he made up this because he they knew. On some level, they knew what a hard sell this would be for American. Well, that's why they did. They went companies. through all of the trouble of of writing the script and having the entire storyboard, talking about all the special effects and how like they would do it. They yeah. had worked it all out. They knew exactly how much this thing was going to cost, and it sounds like they had funding, like the, the you know two thirds of it funded, mm-hmm. and they just needed the studios to put up. I mean, it was still an insane amount of money for the seventies, but like. They just needed them to put up the last third mm-hmm. so that they could just get this thing made. Yeah, get this thing off the ground. And every studio was like, you know, you've obviously, you've got a masterpiece here, but it's just not going to work for American audiences because yeah. it was completely new, completely visionary. And so visionary that like he gave this book to all of the, I mean, in, in the, well, in the yep. documentary, he talks about giving it to all of the, the studios. So they all had a copy of it and somebody was reading it because... All of these ideas started popping out in other movies, right? And and obviously, so in some of them, and like Giger worked on um, uh, Alien. Obviously, he was, was concept say, artist for Alien, and a lot of that stuff stuff showed up in there. And they used a lot of well, a lot of his work. And D- Dan O'Bannon for... was on it too. And yep. then Moby, I think even Mobius was on Alien, right? Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so. but so these these sort of like people who sort of gestated. In this, you know, insane Hodorowski. Well, he created this team. Yeah. And then they went on to do other movies, like Alien and right. Heavy Metal. And, right. You know, I mean, there, there's there's like a l- short list of movies that all of this stuff shows up in. Right. Flash Gordon was the one. I'd, I'd forgotten about that one. That it's like, yep, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, no, and, I could totally see it. And I think that um, Barbarella owes a, a debt of like at least a spiritual debt to Hodorowski's Dune in the way that it was costumed mm-hmm. and and it was kind of surrealist not so much so that it couldn't get made for an American audience mm-hmm. just enough so that it was like what even is this movie you yeah know? No. I mean like why is this movie this is stuff that, that he was doing in the 70s before they had right. anything even like none of this was even a like twinkle in his eye or right. Frank Herbert's eye right but yeah, I mean, I, and, and all of that stuff has been really, really influential, which is is pretty amazing when you think right. about it. Like, it's not just that, like, you know, Giger worked on Alien, so it looks like Khodorkovsky's Dune. It's that a lot of those those concepts, and actually, the the one scene from Prometheus that I, th- I thought was kind of funny that it's like literally you're looking at the side of the um, the Baron's castle on Gaty Prime that that Giger had developed. Right. I mean, it's it's there. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it's an homage. It's, it's right almost there. like straight up the same outline, the same kind of skull face. Yeah. The whole thing is just. But all of that, all of that skull face stuff that he was doing at the time, I mean, that was all Giger anyway. And so, like when Alien mm-hmm. came along, it was like that was his vision for that because that's what Giger does. He, he like you can kind of tell he's like working out these it's weird this, visual yeah. biomechanical themes that he does. Which is why I love his art so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's the most fascinating, like, just the way he constructs it. It's all airbrushed and very, like, smooth and mm-hmm. detailed and mm-hmm. well, well built. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's and totally it, disgusting. It, like, com- <laughs> it completely explained for me, like, like, way back in the day, like, before he died, I would, I would, like, regularly go to his website and just kind of troll around looking at the stuff that was for sale there. And I was always a little bit confused by, um, he, there was like, you could buy for like $5,000 a Harkonnen chair. Like, <laughs> yeah. and it was, I mean, and it looked, it was pretty gross. Like, you don't yeah. want to put your butt on that. Um, yeah. And I think there was even, there was, there was other stuff that clearly referenced Dune. And yeah. I was like, what, where, why? Are, is it just because you're into it? Or? Yeah. But I mean, if you look at the, the like, so Lynch then took on Dune, and there's a, a very funny scene in Hodorowsky's Dune where he talks about how he didn't want to see Lynch's Dune because Lynch was a fantastic director, and he, he was would, the he only just, he, would, he was the only one who could see this artistic vision through, right? You know, and then he so he didn't want to see it, whatever. And, and his sons dragged him in. Yeah, his sons dragged him in like an old man, and he's <laughs> watching it, and like it dawns on him like this realization that 
this movie is is atrocious. He hates it. It's awful. Like, Lynch totally screwed this whole thing up. Somehow, yeah. this wasn't Lynch. There's no way Lynch did this. Because, this you is know, Lynch mess. is an artist and this is garbage. You know, like, they didn't make my movie. And I'm really excited that they didn't because, like, now yeah. I'm free to still make it. And they, well, and also they didn't make, they didn't make his movie. But also they probably didn't even make Lynch's movie. <laughs> as it turns out, probably not. Yeah, because, I mean, and as it turned out, that is now an Alan Smithy film. Yeah, which, so that's I mean, true. I get, and, and of all of, and you know, obviously we're we have another installment of Lynch's mm-hmm, Dune, but mm-hmm. of all of Lynch's movies that I've seen, Dune is the least Lynchian. You know, that's, and, I, and Hodorowski even said that yeah. was all the producers. Like they, the producers made that movie. Yeah, no, that's you know? totally so, like, true. The only thing that's Lynchian about it is that he's got a directorial self insert talking about how the shields are down. Um, but it does have like the sandcrawler design in that, or, or is this kind of bulbous looking thing that that is the sort of thing that Giger would draw, mm-hmm. you know, or that Mobius would draw, like that they would they would have these these things in there, you know, mm-hmm. or even like the way the Baron was was portrayed. Um, and I mean, I I feel like you can even see like now watching this right after having seen the miniseries, mm-hmm. the Baron of the miniseries looks very close to what Hodorowski's vision of him was. You know, in some of those pictures that he had, um, with the, the some of them kind of like the curly like red hair. Big I mean, he's, hair. He's a little more um, clowny in the in the concept art, but like I mean, kind of naked with a harness, you right? Know, and and that's that that sort of looks like a little bit like that yeah which i mean and it's possible because they're all just you know mining the same source material so maybe that's why but again i mean i kind of feel like there's there was this vision that he had that was there for the taking i mean he just gave this book away right you know and they and they just sort of used it yeah no and it was super funny to watch this because like it's it's him and a guy called michelle gerard some no. something like that. Say shoe. I don't remember. It's a yeah, it's name. like at like S O U maybe some J's or a Y. There's a Y. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Say you. So he he and Hodorowski were the main main producers of this, right? Well, Hodorowski was I I think more of a like a producer. Cruise director. Was the director. No, he was the director. No, Hodorowski. the other guy was the director. The French guy was that was what he was there for was to be the director. Well, either way. They were terrified. And so both of those guys, when they got to the part of the story where they were shut down by literally every major film production company in America, were like, I could see in their faces that they were going to die mad about it. You know, like they're still not over the horrific lack of vision. Yeah. In the money people in Hollywood. And it, you know, yeah. and it's funny to like I see... can't even fault the money people though because it's like, <laughs> they're like, well, we need this movie to be an hour and 30 minutes. And he was like, what does time have to do with it? Mm-hmm. This movie could be 20 hours long. Mm-hmm. And you're just sort of like, dude, shut up. No, you don't say <laughs> stuff like that in front of them. Songs are to be three minutes long. Yeah. Maybe I mean, three and a half. It would be sweet if you could make a longer one, but like, you know, you're trying to get funding. You've got to be practical. And he is is definitely <laughs> not a not practical. practical. No, 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 no. And which is why he would be fun at a dinner party. Oh my god, yeah, he'd be so wonderful. I mean, it's it's one of those funny things that like I don't I don't think somebody who was practical could have amassed the talent that he did. Well, you he know? seems to have had I mean, it kind of comes through, but he has got this charisma that's like Oh my god. Join me, you, you know sell your earthly possessions and follow me you know like he's some sort of cult leader yeah no i mean there's definite i mean yeah his charisma points are he's like a you're rolling like (laughs) it's just amazing yeah um i mean i have a feeling if at the dinner party he was like sell all your worldly possessions and move to paris to work on this movie that i'm gonna do oh i do in a heartbeat Let's yeah. go to Paris. That would be sweet. I'm not even. I End don't up, even. Like, sleeping on his couch for a couple of weeks. Sure, when it's it fine. All falls through. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. And like I was joking about this last night, but just there's an aspect. So like in the Dune mythos, like you know, Paul sort of avoids what he needs to do, which is become one with the spice 
become one with the worm like his son does and then mm-hmm. this whole horrific thing he's got to do um but so after his son becomes one with the worm and you know drives humanity into a corner and kind of suppresses it for several thousand years he dies and then the they you know humanity explodes out into the universe mm-hmm. but when he dies he turns into a whole shit ton of sand trout and those sand trout all have a pearl of his consciousness in it. And then they like, you know, so now whenever this spice is made, it's got just this little bit of presence in it. And like, that's totally what happens with Hodorowsky's Dune. It like, mm-hmm. it's like this vision, this, uh, this, it's a dream. They, they describe it as this dream. And because it never became reality, it just keeps sort of infecting people, mm-hmm. which is, and I was just like, I kind of just love the parallelism of that. Yeah. Like metaphorically speaking, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that just like watching him flip through the book is, is some of the best of what this movie is. This mm-hmm. documentary is about that book. And yeah. they, it, it is it like, it's, I am deeply disappointed that they didn't spend at least an hour flipping through the book more. Oh my God. You know, because the stuff that you see is just these little tantalizing images. And some of it is the Giger stuff, which you can get. I mean, that's available. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some of his, some of his chat books that, that have a lot of that art in it. Yeah. Um, but some of the other stuff is just straight up concept art that Mobius did that as far as I'm aware, doesn't exist anywhere else. And it was, no, <coughs> I'm just choked up about it. I know. But it's all of this, like, really colorful pageantry. Like, not just the spaceships. Like, the spaceships are these, like, it's this fantastical, like, medieval-looking colors, you know, where Mm. it's, like, all of of these, like, checkerboard, harlequin-looking patterns, and and the outfits are just colorful and, and sexual. Yeah. And just, I mean, they're just dripping with with like vision you know i mean this whole thing it's it's obvious that somebody thought a lot about what they wanted to do with this world yeah whether they'd actually read the book or not doesn't matter they, they definitely knew what they wanted to do with the world and and whether he actually met like mick jagger or not all of the the storyboards that have fade rotha in them look just like mick jagger yeah I mean, that was, that they was were planning on They were and planning like, you on him. And you're just like, you know what? If you think about it, he is kind of, I mean, it's kind of like this exercise in like, okay, we are going to cast this favorite book of mine that's never been a movie before. And mm-hmm. I'm going to run through who I think all of the characters should be, you know, and, or, or like, you know, who would play you in your life story, whatever. So you get this like theoretical exercise of casting, like if you could pick anybody, who would you pick? Mm-hmm. And I think Mick Jagger, in his youth, would have been a fantastic Fade Rose. I mean, yeah, he's yeah, kind of yeah. got that sort of careless sexuality that works for that character. Yeah, and like a sort of dissolute. Yeah, know? yeah. Just he's like, like he's the scion of of whatever you know sibling fucked off to <laughs> leave the Baron with these two nephews. Right. Who may not actually even be related to each other? They might no, just they be cousins, are. They're, they're right? brothers. They're brothers. Or are they brothers? Yeah, I um, I was paying attention to that the, le- the while I was reading recently. But, but I mean, I think Mick Jagger would have been great. I think that that Salvador Dali as the Emperor would have been fantastic. And I love the, the, how conniving Hodorowski was when he was like trying to convince Dali because he actually had a conversation with Dali about well, being in this movie, and he was like, "Well, you know, how about I pay you a hundred thousand dollars a minute." That you're in the movie because he had it already figured out that he was only going to be in the movie for like five minutes. He right. could afford that. Yeah, he could afford that. But it was like, but, but he he and Dali they were both um, like part of the Spanish speaking like surrealism world, mm-hmm. and so there was a certain level of rivalry there, you know, because Dali was kind of a bitch, you know, that dude, like that dude was kind of made out of his ego, hmm. and. I mean, I can just totally imagine, like, this other, you know, guy who has some acclaim mm-hmm. coming in and Dolly just being a huge bitch about it. Yeah. I could huge bitch about it. I mean, I could also kind of see this entire thing being a, a surrealist living artwork to mm-hmm. make fun of Salvador Dali. If he somehow could have gotten this movie made. Yeah. You know, just to, like... 
And I think have him in it. Did they? Was it was it Dali? Like, because Dali had a bunch of um, sort of had an entourage, and some of those people are. But didn't did they have some people also from Warhol's factory? Were there Warhol um, people? I, there, yeah. Well, one of his he had called him Warhol's actor. I, I mean, apparently Warhol did some film. Yeah, he did films. And this was the actor. His go-to actor was this one guy that he. Yeah, I've never actually um, gone to, you know, my mom's side is from Pittsburgh and I just feel really embarrassed at like as many times as I've been there. I have never gone to the the Warhol Museum and I super want to. Yeah, I'd rather go to a Dali Museum. I really like I remember when I was kind of growing up in art, being really impressed with his brand of surrealism. You know, I mean, I I feel like I understood it. As a high school student, it made sense to me. Huh, that's interesting. You know? I really feel like I'm more of a Magritte girl. Yeah. I, I mean, really I, love Magritte. I, I think like, even as an influence in my art, in the art that I've done, I feel like Dali mm. has a direct influence in the, in the sense that a lot of the stuff that I did was um, uh, were these sort of realistic-looking creations that were really collages of other things, and that's exactly what Dali did, only in a surreal way. Like none of my stuff was really surreal. But no, it was but, like, I, but, I, but I gotta a lot say, of that stuff was like sort of, sort of pulled from the way that he treated reality. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I gotta say, like I feel like you just saying that kind of made my mind open because, like, I had never really like seen that influence in your stuff, but that's totally there. Oh yeah, you it's know, totally I mean, there. He, he died the year I was born. So, so you were clearly like a what? What is that called? A, a tulku, a, a tulku. Talku. Yes, I'm the Dali, the the tulku Dali. Yeah, yeah. Good job. <laughs> high five. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Wait, is it over? That's not is over. It? Oh. No, that was no, just. No, high... I take it back. High five. <laughs> reverse. <laughs> no, I was just excited. and I wanted a high five. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, that's really that's really interesting. Because I, I mean, I used to do a lot of a lot of stuff in high school. That's like you have this tree trunk, and then. The then at some point it changes and the top of it is a castle, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the sort of thing that that Dali would have laughed at <laughs> as a high school student. He was kind of a dick too, though. But it was inspired by him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd been like, look, I made this because I amazing. like you and it's me. Cute, yeah. Um, no, he was a really interesting dude. Um, who was who are some of the other interesting casts? Well, I think that so was had, kind of the big had, ones. Like, Orson Orson Welles. As the the Baron, and mm-hmm. then, um, and I just I love the idea that that he's like, <laughs> I mean, basically, like he he puts out this little like line of food for, <laughs> for Orson Welles because he's like, how about if I get this, the, I will hire the chef at this French restaurant that you're sitting at right now, and he will cater all of Everything. your meals yeah. on set. He will be craft services. And Orson Welles said, oh yes, I oh yes, you know, oh yes, and. That I mean, that to me is just like part of why I just even if all of it's bullshit, even I don't if even it's care. Bull, I don't even because care. little stories like that are just amazing to think about. Like Orson Welles, like crawling around on his hands and knees, like following this little trail of French crepes. Well, and also, and... I mean, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and that's how he gets him to the set. Yeah, which I mean, you know, I mean, it, it like because again, like. Orson Welles was known at that time as just being this horrific dude to work with. Yeah. And like that, that Khodorovsky was like, no, I will get Orson Welles. Yeah. And then at least according to him, he got him. Well, I mean, you have to know how to attract these, you know, I mean, his story about like the, the you know, he, he's trying to, he bought him with his belly mm-hmm. and with Dali, it was, it, it was almost like, like, um, pure monetary concern no but i think that he also like flattered his ego yeah it was totally i mean and and i think this is really why it it kind of veers off into did that really happen Mm -hmm. territory because the whole thing with mick jagger is just sort of like he just stalks across the room and says yes (laughs) i mean like because he didn't even take any convincing he was just like he was just like I am, I am already the character. I am here so. for you. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Anyway, oh, God, I just love it so much. Oh, oh, oh. But I think my favorite cast is that he decided that his son, who was like, I think maybe 12 or 13 at the time, mm-hmm. he's like, you will become Paul Atreides. And so this kid, 
who's like 12 or 13, he's like shoves him into martial arts training. <laughs> he's got to do all of this like fucking mentat training. Yeah, like, he starts he's raising him as a duke. Literally raising <laughs> a mentat him. Mentat duke. Literally raising and him as Paul Atreides. Fed him a lot of LSD to yeah, expand possibly. his. Yeah, possibly. We don't. We're not. You know, we're not going to call child protective <laughs> services or anything. But yeah, I mean, so, but his son is in it, and he talks about it. And I mean, his son seems like a really well put together guy. So. No, but but he also says it was completely bonkers. Like he's like, this was my life then for the next three years. Yeah, but then I mean, as an adult, he's like, it's it's one of the regrets of my life that I never got to be that character. Because can you imagine where my life might have gone mm-hmm. had I actually been? Yeah, Paul Muad'Dib, like yeah. the real one though, because not like yeah. <laughs> unlike Kyle MacLachlan, who I'm sure just acted his way through that movie. <laughs> but he would have been an actual Mentat Duke. He would have. He totally would. have. He, he had the he training. Is. I mean, you can see him on screen. Yeah, you could be like, yeah, you know what? You're the Mentat Duke. He is the Mentat Duke. But I mean, like, and obviously he's got to be in his fifties or something, right? Yeah. And but you know, I could like if you age him backwards, I could totally see it. Sure. You know, he's got, he's got that sort of slender, you know. But I just think it's funny that, that like, <laughs> I mean, because we actually talked about this in the, the Harrison Dune, where it's like, you've got this, this actor who plays Paul. Who sucks. And he sucks. And, and that's the problem with, with that sort of a cast. Like, you cast Leto as, as William Hurt because everybody knows William Hurt. He's got a great career. Yeah. But the only people who have great careers like that are old, older actors. You know, the young ones, right. they don't really have track records. They don't, right. you know, you, you can't really say, oh, let's get, you know, so-and-so who worked on that thing 10 years ago because they're not a child anymore. No. And so, you know, if you want a child, you have to, you have to cast your own, you have to, you have to take a chance on whoever that person mm-hmm. is. And you have to, like, you have to have an incredibly good uh, person in charge of casting. Right. I mean, so, that's the only it's, way yeah, that work. Because it's not an actor that, like, you know, it, it, like is good but needs some seasoning like you need somebody who's like naturally gets it yeah. you know like they have to be have like a certain kind of raw talent or who is 50 and looks 20 right so you could have like casey Kasem. no just kidding <laughs> or dick, like all of the dick people Clark. on 21 jump street <laughs> they were totally in high school <laughs> they were totally in high school <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, and that's and that's kind of like why I think that it's cute that he picked his son because it's like I mean, if you're gonna pick anybody, why not just like here's this kid that I can force to to do all to of actually this, legitimately like, stuff. become and you know I mean, is and I don't really have to pay him because it's a family production at that point. <laughs> but I but on some level, it's like if if you want a really good Paul Atreides, you just need to train one up. From birth. Can you imagine the nightmare of having Hodorowski as your father, though? Oh, my God. I mean, that would be so... I mean, it would take you years to get over that. (laughs) I guess. Or or it's just like you're also a Hodorowski, so you're kind of weird, too, probably. Well, maybe. A little bit. I mean, it does seem like he's... I mean, he did raise a a Mentat Duke, so... They seem to have a decent enough relationship now, but I just... I I can't imagine, like, because that guy... You know, I mean, you'd be sitting around the family dinner table and he would tell you the story of its day and it would just be so outlandish that you'd be like, did that really happen, mm-hmm. Dad? I mean, the nice thing is... That and like, I'm sure it did. It probably, he <laughs> it probably, probably did, did meet the queen and, and feed her anchovies <laughs> or whatever it was that he did. You know, and, and, and it wraps up in a neat little like, you know, haha, and that has says something about his character, doesn't it? You know, I mean, it's just like, yeah, of course it would have happened because it's Morawski. Yeah. Well, I mean... Because there is a level on which his life seems like it, or at least according to this package, like, his life moves in this, like, kind of metaphorical level (laughs) that the rest of us humans can't access. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and I do, I I get, like, some of the people talking about him in these, like, overawed terms, like, you know, it it may be even a hundred years before we're at the point where humanity can appreciate the kind of movie that he was trying to make, you know, and, and it's like, that may be true. Like we are absolutely not ready for, you know, 20 hour long hallucinogenic inspired right. masterpieces. But after having seen like clips of the movies that he did do the, the surrealist stuff, it's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm just, it, it turns out not really a fan of surrealist movies. I think they're dumb and inaccessible. 
Yeah. And and I get that it's a lot about like feeling and whatever, and that's most of what Hodorowski had was this sort of vision and feeling. Yeah. And he would just sort of claw his way toward it. And mm-hmm. and and it may have been like super polished and, and pointed and it, it all had purpose and whatever. Right. But it's just so inaccessible that you're just sort of like, well I mean I, mean, I get all Trotsky about uh, like, that or not Trotsky, um uh uh Tolstoy about it where at the end of his life he was like art has to be accessible also it had to glorify god but you know (laughs) but like i I think that art needs to be accessible because if it's not then if if like only the artist can appreciate it what what's the point i mean like if art isn't to create a connection between people or at least to have something that different people can get different things from or whatever. But if it's so completely impenetrable that you're just sort of left being like, well, what was that about? Yeah, you I know, guess. Then what's I guess the point? I just, I really, so there's this, there's this book by Stanislaw Lem called. Speaking of inaccessible artists. Speaking of inaccessible <laughs> artists. Um, who, no, he's completely accessible. I love him. So it's called A Perfect Vacuum. And it is a series of, like, book reviews of books that were never written. Mm-hmm. And, and like, the, the introduction isn't an introduction. It's actually a review of the introduction that you don't get to read. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole thing is just completely, like, an Ouroboros that's eating its own tail. Mm-hmm. And then also possibly laughing at you as a reader. Um, but what, and I don't even remember like, and you know, so that like all of these different books of different type or whatever. Um, but one of them, he sort of, and, and so it's like, it's like him sort of tossing off ideas, you know, like, let me toss off 30 really cool ideas for books and then not write them. Mm -hmm. So one of them, I don't even remember why he starts talking about this, but he starts talking about that there's three different kinds of genius, Right. There's genius that is recognized in its time. There's genius that is recognized after the person has died and society is ready to deal with it. And then there's genius that will never be recognized. <laughs> yeah, it's like we two. know which kind Stanislaw Lem was. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good, though. Anyway, yeah. I just... So we were watching this, you know, Hodorowsky's Dune, and I was like, oh, you're totally the second degree kind of genius. Like... Yeah. Like, I mean, See, I, think, I think the first kind of genius mm-hmm. is like, you know, th- they're going to be happy and content. Right. And the third kind of genius kind of doesn't care what anybody else thinks anyway. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it their state matter. of mind is completely dependent on what they had for breakfast. But the second <laughs> kind of genius. Yeah. Is going to die mad about it. They are going to die <laughs> mad about it. They are. And they should. They're just not. Say, say Rue. What's say Ru? I'm trying to remember what the director's name oh, was. I might oh. actually have to look it up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, say Shoe? It was something like that. It was some French thing that would just like, it doesn't stick. Yeah, well, it doesn't. But clearly, the French guy was really mad about it too because oh, he's one he of the was, geniuses that he is was, not recognized in his he's time gonna, either. He's going to, they're all going to die mad about it. They're yeah. so mad about it. And <laughs> you know what? I can't blame them. I can't. Because yeah. I like, you know, they put a like they, you know, did some bleeding on the page there. No, and and, and you know, some some Frank Herbert raping. <laughs> oh my god! I just I st- my little eyeballs became really really big this time watching him say that. I was like, oh my god, dude! Yeah. Well, just... it's just funny because like I had such a I don't I'd only seen that that documentary once before, mm-hmm. and in the rosy glow of memory, it was like, oh my god, that was the best thing ever. I think Hodorowski is the best person ever. I love him to death. And this time through, it was it was a little more critical, and it was just sort of like, well, are you? fun in with me because this I all doesn't... seems me and then the whole part about like raping Herbert to get this <laughs> screenplay and I was, I'm just like I don't remember that the first time through no that was protective amnesia my, <laughs> my guy because wow that's I guess that's one way to put it yeah no but and his little face when he's saying it he knows he yeah. knows what feelings you have he knows yeah. that this is bad yeah but he's whatever anyway i just i don't know the whole thing is kind of amazing i do remember thinking he was kind of full of shit the first time i watched it 
Um, yeah. I think the, this time I feel like he's less full of shit than the first time. Yeah, I feel like I could just it, I could argue with myself all day. Yeah. Um, but the thing I noticed today or this watch was um, how actually different his Dune was. Yeah. From the like, like I sort of wonder like a priori of anything if I had actually seen his Dune if I wouldn't have been like what the fuck are you on dude yeah well especially because it was not faithful to the book I mean he no. did rape Frank Herbert like no. the whole scene where it's like the torture of, of Duke Leto Atreides and, and and he like cuts his arms and legs off yeah. and at the end chops his head off and it's like what about the tooth I feel like there was a pretty important scene there yeah. involving like the revenge and nearly killing the Baron and it almost working out and then not working out and that was kind of important in the book right. but maybe it wasn't yeah, maybe, per- maybe really what that scene needed was to have his arms and legs chopped off right you know? and then his head maybe and his head and then everything thrown into a tr- trunk for some reason yeah because that's where you put body parts or yeah. or like the end I mean which sort of made me wonder because the, the end of the Lynch film which I always thought was just stupid as fuck was it's like you know it starts raining on Dune and and then oh yeah, Ali is like, and, and he how can this he is the quest yeah. and it's just like oh my god, that's not even how it works. No, that's not how any of this works. Right, he but, can see all of his genetic parents. Right, that's the quiz that's Hatterack. Right, and no. also he can also see through time. Right, no, yeah. So but you know what he can't do? He mm, can't make it fucking rain. Well, not without the application of many, many, many decades. Yeah, no, I mean, like, figuratively, I guess he can make it rain. But that actually showed up in the Harrison Dune as well, Mm -hmm. where he's, like, standing there and he's commanding his troops and all this water starts pouring out of the, you know, the the arms of the the statue of the the Mahdi, you know, and it's just sort of like, yeah. That's Helm Hammerhand. Why did you do that whole, like... I mean, that... You know what that is, is... uh, um, What's his face? Messed up face man from Fury Road. Messed uh, up face man from the, the, Fury the Road. The bad guy? Oh, um, the Bullet Town guy or the whatever the fuck his name was. I can't remember. Not it. Bullet Town. But, I mean, at one point he, like, opens the floodgates because he's up there talking to everybody and then all of this water shoots down at them, mm-hmm. which is kind of like that scene. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, but that's, that's the end of Hodorowsky's Dune is that, like, suddenly the... It's not just like Paul dies, A, and then. But B, in order to become this universal consciousness, because when he dies, everybody in the crowd, everybody in the universe starts speaking with his voice. Right. Because they've achieved this universal consciousness through him. Right, yeah. Which, as it, and the funny thing is, when he's describing it, is he's like, as it turns out, that wasn't in the book. <laughs> Well, that's when he tells this fucking raping the wife. No, I know because he's like, oh, no, that analogy. was me. That was my. That was my doom. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> but then, then the planet itself, the planet Arrakis, then like explodes with like plants and animals and and, and seas erupt out of nowhere, and then, I mean, because the planet itself has achieved a, a consciousness, and yeah. now, now like the planet becomes because yeah, oh yeah, it develops a ring, and then. It becomes a, a wandering planet and goes around to all the other planets, making them achieve enlightenment as well. And I was just like, what the fuck, my guy? Yeah. Like, like, I don't even... Like, if I saw that, I would be like, I don't think we read the same book. No, definitely not. But, I mean, I think that, that you know, the one movie that I can think of that that has a semi-approachable um, plot that resembles what I think he was trying to do is The Fountain. Because oh. it takes place in different time periods, it's very moody yeah. and and very visual and emotional, without straightforward plot. You know, and I mean, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, or the plot is is almost all told through like these emotional yeah. um, situations. It's like yeah, it's like um, yeah, it has an emotional reality, not a not a yeah. linear but, I mean, reality. Like one of one of the one of the 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 set times is. Um, in the future, like, he's living in this bubble with his tree, who is his wife, and that's the sort of weird shit that Hodorowski would do. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. And that movie, I feel like I'm due for a rewatch again, because it's like, I feel like every time I watch that movie, I get to the end of it, and I was like, that was bullshit. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, 
for the next two weeks, I literally dream that movie. Yeah, because, I mean, it sticks with you. It you can't completely not think about it. gets under your skin. I mean, it makes it's no just, sense, but then, like, it makes sense on a completely different level. Right, that, like, no. your subconscious it's, gets. Yeah, it totally, it's, it's like, sublinguistic or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, every single time. And, like, I, I just know I'll watch it again and be like, that was bullshit. It'll still, it'll still get me, man. Yeah, I feel like another movie that, that is treated that way is um, Melancholia, because yeah. it's the the movie itself. The stated purpose of the movie was to talk about depression, mm-hmm. and and it does that very very well. You know, I mean, and, it, mm-hmm. it, it, and the way that the the scenes, but like also what the movie is about is super super compelling. Right. But it's told very emotionally. It's told right. from from an emotional point of view, and not so much through straightforward plot. You know, right. I mean, although stuff happens in that. I mean, movie. obviously, no stuff fountain, happens. Like, stuff. Yeah, the fountain stuff is happens. Like, yeah, it's but that's it's that. almost surrealist. It's not about stuff happening. It's yeah, no, it's just not. Um, or it's it's more about the stuff happening that's really happening. I don't know. It, the whole thing is just like crazy. <laughs> it's even hard to to talk about the movie in in yeah, rational yeah. terms, but like, it's. It's striking. I mean, it's visually striking. Yeah. You know, and the fact that they got Hugh Jackman and, and Rachel Weiss and I mean, and they work really well together. And you're just yeah. sort of like, what the crap is this movie? Yeah, what the it crap? Makes no is, sense. Yeah. And so if you could have Hodorowski doing that with Dune, yeah, it could actually be no, really, even right. if it was 20 hours long. I don't know that I could watch all of that in one sitting, but right. if I did, I'm sure I would feel like I was tripping. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I definitely feel like I probably would have gotten done with Hodorowsky's Dune and said, that was bullshit, and then doomed it for the rest of the, for the next month. Yeah, and I think the one um, experience that I've had that felt like I was high was when we went to Meowulf in Santa Fe. Oh, yeah. And, and that was because, like, it's, and that's like a fully immersive, like, you're in an environment, you're interacting with an environment, walking through it, experiencing it directly. Right. And it's weird. I mean, it definitely pulls you out of reality in a way that I don't it, think anything other it, than drugs could do. Because and it, it also has that collaborative artist thing, too, because it's, yeah. it's made by, I think, possibly hundreds, if 200, not. 200, yeah. Yeah, 200, 200 artists. artists. So you have all of these, like, interlocking, which is what Dune is like. You know, Mm -hmm. you have interlocking but related visions. Yeah. And and I think that, that like, the the feeling of that, you know, coming out of that and and going and having lunch at the food truck outside was just really weird because you're suddenly back in the real world again. And it was jarring. It was. And it was weird to, like, know that you're now, like, mentally preparing yourself to go back in there. Right. And, and get get weird again, you know. And that was a very real, you know, hallucinogenic, right. like, a waking dream, you know. And if, if, if Hodorowsky really could have pulled that off with a movie, that would have been... It would have been, been something. It would have been pretty dope. I would, you know, that would... I, I would watch that. Yeah, I would watch the shit out of I that. I would watch it at least once. No, we'd watch it more than that. I don't know. Uh, we'll see uh, yeah. after the first time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you know we haven't been doing our like metric recently because it seems like well, I mean, for the last miniseries, the Harrison one, you know, the rewatchability is zero. Well, I mean, I've seen it twice now. Yeah, but that was that was just because we were being completist about shit. Yeah, I. I you know what? At this point, I don't. I will never I, watch I mean, it the again. Pro- the problem is, like, now I know that I'm never going to watch it again. So if somebody's like, "Hey, we should watch that miniseries," I'd be like, "No." Yeah. There's no point. I should totally sell that disc on eBay. No, we got to keep it for completist sake. Still, <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I'm like that one is zero rewatchability, and and I feel like Hodorowski's Dune. Is completely rewatchable as a documentary. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So much fun. It's so entertaining. I'm gonna so have to like, watch it again in another year or two, just so I can. I be totally like, oh, would. Yeah, I would. Neat. I would totally watch it again but, in a minute. Yeah. So I think that was that was totally rewatchable. What was the What was the first Dune? We oh, were just talking about book. Dune, and which, no, the book is so rewatchable. I rewatched it like I at least six I, times. I, yeah, I can't even count how many times I have read that book. Yeah, it's slightly. It's, really it's like. Good. That book and probably Neuromancer I've read, uh, you know, a comparable amount of times. Yeah. And for sure, Neuromancer I've read like every five years since it came out. Yeah, least. the only other book I've read that often is uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm, yeah, it's a good one. Which is kind of funny considering that I've only... So I've read the entire Dune series through twice. Mm-hmm. I've read the first three books probably four four times and i've read the first book like six times 
Right. Just because, you know, I go back through it every now and then and, and decide to reread, reread it. But, um, yeah, Fellowship of the Ring, I've read probably six times. And, and then you just get bogged that, down? I, yeah, I mean, I can't ever make it through Mordor, like the the, the marshes, the dead the marshes. The marshes are pretty bad. And I, and I wander off and I'm just like, oh, I can't even read this anymore. So I've only read the second half of the second book and the third book <laughs> once. And that was right before the movies came out because I was like, oh, I should probably read this before seeing the movies just right. so that... I know what's going on. Well, which on. is funny because, like, the Return of the King is actually, like, kind of at least a third, if not more, of the page count. Is yeah, appendices. No, I know. If I had known that at the time, if I had seen it's that, not like, most all of dead it was marshes. appendices, it would have been like, oh, I can totally make it now. Yeah. No, that's right. Oh, well. Oh, but, yeah. Well. So, so Dune is, um, it's a very, it's a very good book, and some of the adaptations are more rewatchable than others. <laughs> With a bullet. Yeah. But yeah. I guess if I hadn't seen Hodorowski's Dune, I would totally encourage me to see it. Oh yeah! If you have, if you if, have if any, you like Dune at all, and also, and actually, if you like Alien, and I was Blade gonna Runner say, I like. I and, think that even if you don't give a shit about Dune, um, I think that if you care about science fiction, the history of science fiction filmmaking, or seventies surrealism, or seventy well. But I think it definitely it, it definitely has this huge impact on like it, it, you know into the eighties and beyond. Yeah, like it definitely impacts a lot of science fiction. We definitely need to track down that Lynn Call. Yeah, graphic novel. We definitely series. do because um, that feel seems like, like something that we should just have. I feel like yeah, or right. I could probably get the library to find a copy for me. Yeah, but I don't know that I want to read it. I just want to have it. Oh well. That's a different situation. <laughs> All right. So do we have anything more to say about Mr. Hodorowski? Um, and yeah, his dude? He, seems, he seems like a lot of fun. So much fun. Anyway. So yeah. next up is going to be Lynch David doing, Lynch. Right? Yeah. And then um, we have to decide whether we're going to make time for the mini, the Children of Dune miniseries. Yeah. I think we might as well. Yeah. So and then and then. I guess last up is going to be the new Villeneuve Dune. Yeah, and I'm sure we're going to have some things to say about that. Either we are going to be really excited and we're going to have like two hours worth of shit to say. (laughs) Or we're going to die mad about it. Yeah, it's possible. Either one is, I think. I mean, they've built it up at this point. to. Well, and They've already (laughs) set the bar really high for themselves by pushing it out so far. Yeah. And yeah. hyping it up so much. I mean, I think we might actually even have to go to the theater. Yeah, probably. I'm. I mean, I would brave it. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. High five. <laughs> Thank you.